Hi, this is Abe Hefter, and welcome to You Heart to Hartford, the show that takes you inside the University of Hartford and the stories being told by the many talented people who are the University of Hartford. Faculty, staff, students, and alumni, the experience and experiences they're sharing on our West Hartford campus and beyond. Joining us today is Michelle Hart, class of 89. Michelle currently holds the position of program administrator with the Westchester County Department of Community Mental Health in New York State after earning her MA in Applied Psychology from New York University. She's also responsible for a large number of staff in the Adult Mental Health Services Division with outreach and care coordination responsibilities. During the uh, current pandemic, she has been redeployed to assist in the department's COVID-19 efforts. Michelle, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me, Abe. Michelle, how did your undergraduate studies at the University of Hartford prepare you for a career in mental health services? Um, Well, while I was at the university, I majored in psychology and minored in health studies. Um, What was really helpful to me were the internships that I did do while I was there, Uh, My first internship was at the Institute of Living where I um, volunteered in the children's school. And also my second internship was in the inpatient adult psychiatric ward of Hartford Hospital. Any favorite courses that you can think of um, from your stay at the University of Hartford? Our research courses um, where we were able to actually have volunteer participants to participate in the research studies that we were doing at that time were, were really helpful as well, you know, in trying to incorporate that with what we were learning in the classroom. How are you uh, able to um, obtain those internships? Through uh, the psych- uh, psychology department um, with the professor that oversaw the undergraduate intern intern program at that time. So I had also minored in health studies as well. So. Um, you know, it kind of all came together later on in terms of my career and currently even what I'm doing now. So take us back to February uh, when you worked on the very first suspected case of COVID-19 in Westchester County in New York State. What was going through your mind at that time? You know, the very first suspected case that we had in, in Westchester County barely made the news. Um, I know later on that Westchester came into the news with the cluster of outbreaks that occurred in New Rochelle, but this was even, you know, three, four weeks before that time. Um, And at that time, it wasn't as much, I guess, nervousness around it because we didn't, we knew so little in regards to COVID-19. Although we did hear about what was going on in, you know, China at that time. So when I was first approached to assist the department, our Westchester County Department of Community Mental Health, I mean, there wasn't a hesitation because it was basically providing emotional support to that person as they were going to be uh, isolated in a secure location uh, by themselves with um, the assistance of, you know, the county police guarding the, the, the facility as well as um, the Department of Health having the primary responsibility to care for that person. You mentioned the isolation. Um, you know, there are the, um, I guess, inherent uh, health issues associated with COVID-19 and and what this virus can do to our bodies. But I can, uh, um, you know, only imagine um, just the, the, the issue of isolation and how difficult it is for individuals to to deal with it at the same time that we're dealing with a, with a pandemic. Absolutely. Um, And obviously, because of um, messages that might have been 
come out through certain entities at the time. It was sometimes not the information that we had to, in New York State, advise people of as far as their quarantine orders and isolation orders and what that truly meant, even for family members living in the same household of somebody who was diagnosed with COVID-19 and what those restrictions even placed on the, the, the family members within that household. So, yes, it is very difficult. And also, if you're talking about somebody who would generally live by themselves, it mm-hmm. could be very isolating as well. At which, At what point did you come to grips with the fact that um, you know, at that point, again, you look back in February and early spring, uh, you know, these were the mm-hmm. early days of a novel coronavirus that was about to sweep the country, indeed, you know, the entire world. Let's see, about three or four weeks later after that initial case, which I already spoke on, um, you know, our we had to begin looking at plans to uh, reduce size within our office um, and to basically have our staff go remote. We were not really fully prepared at that time to have staff basically go remote five days a week um, because we were looking to see who could come in if it was going to be three days or two days or whatever the schedules were going to be. But then the numbers were reduced by our governor um, as far as capacity and also um, just, you know, chaotic at that time, uncertainty, um, and then trying to still figure it out. And like I said, it wasn't until after that time that I was later deployed to the Department of Health to assist with um, getting out the information as far as positive tests and also um, discussing and going over with those individuals, their quarantine orders and isolation orders, and where they had to basically seek out information and um, just... Yeah, very, very emotional time period for a lot, obviously, um, because it's 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 taxing. Mm-hmm. You can just imagine for those individuals and families, but also for the people that were actually doing the work as far as the actual nurses and doctors in the hospitals and within the health department as well and everything that that, you know, in, ensued. Michelle, what was your role with uh, the Westchester uh, County Department of Community Mental Health pre-COVID? and since your redeployment to assist COVID-19 efforts? Okay, so basically my my job um, entails working with uh, adults in the mental health system who have been seriously diagnosed with the mental illness and are Westchester County residents. Um, We basically work in the forensic outreach capacity I am the program administrator for our county's mental health court, as well as I oversee staff for our mental health alternatives to incarceration program. And um, I have some supervision over our transitional management program for individuals exiting our uh, local county jail. Um, Basically, I am still obviously with working within that capacity now. Our work schedules have changed where we have returned back into the office. Um, We only are working remotely two days a week. Um, But our efforts throughout the whole COVID-19 pandemic, we increased our efforts in the department where our hours had changed from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. to assist our local police departments and emergency rooms dealing with emotionally disturbed people in the community um, That's seven days a week, as well as we now have our own emotional uh, support line for people who um, need assistance throughout this time as well. Were you ever completely remote during COVID? Yes, uh, we were completely remote at one point, um, five days a week. Um, There were certain 
other directors that did have to report into the office, but with the reduction in numbers, majority of our staff had to go completely uh, remote. And even when I was down at the health department for a few days, because of the numbers going up within that department itself, we had to also then do a lot of that work remotely hmm. as well. How I challenging had, was that? You know, looking back on it now, um, it was it was challenging basically because of the fact of, you know, sometimes it's not an easy conversation to have with people or if you're trying to call people and you find out that they've already passed away hmm. and you're, you know, trying to basically give them test results. Um, so you can imagine how emotionally taxing that can be, you know, but in regards to trying to make sure that we could keep our staff and their family members safe as well, uh, we, you know, kind of took action to kind of, ensure that as well. It was it's difficult because we're, you know, a public entity, a government entity that assists individuals in our community, but then to not be able to have individuals just walk into our office who may need assistance, mm -hmm. that piece, you know, that's definitely a struggle, not for, for just uh, the workers that I may supervise, but also for the individuals in the community who, who are seeking out services and know that, you know, we're there because they received services through us in the past. Has your role uh, related to coronavirus efforts changed or evolved since those early days? Um, and I ask that question because we're learning more and more about this virus. In terms of how we do business has definitely evolved because obviously we work with the entities of, you know, correction facilities, excuse me, and the uh, court system, the criminal justice system. And at one point the courts were completely shut down. Um except for emergency hearings and things like that. So now that they're back up and running and with a lot more virtual hearings and the courts opening up for in-person, it's a little bit different in terms of how we have to do business. Um, for individuals who you know, were used to going into a clinic or a day program, mm -hmm. um, there's more reliance now on telehealth uh, services as well as uh, even for those that may be struggling struggling with addiction and su substance abuse issues, alcohol, alcoholism, uh, there are you know self help meetings that they can also um, attend virtually as well. So I don't think that even after we get past this pandemic, that certain factors that that have come into place as far as what treatment looks like that we're going to continue to move forward, knowing that there are other options, obviously, that people are and willing to take advantage of to get assistance. Michelle, COVID-19 has exacted, you know, I think it's safe to say, a punishing toll on all of us. I also think it's safe to say, you know, we're waiting for things to get back to normal. Clearly, we're, we're not there yet. How are you able to help individuals who are dealing with the just the mental anguish associated with this pandemic? We do have the emotional support line that we have within our department. We do have um, therapists and other clinicians that have come on board to assist individuals who we may need to refer out for additional supportive services. And then there's other organizations such as NAMI um, that, you know, we can refer individuals to. Um, so it's basically just trying to connect them with the right kind of resources. Sometimes um, the calls that are coming into our emotional support line may not really have anything directly to do with 
the COVID-19 or the pandemic, but it's a way for us to still offer assistance because people are, people are trying to get some type of help. Mm. The virus is taking its toll on the general population and the, those who care for the general population. Um, how are you able to help those who, who care for us in these unprecedented times? One of the things that we did early on with working with the health department, my department set up a uh, respite unit to, to within the health department to basically uh, provide a safe, comfortable space for the doctors and nurses that were basically, you know, working impossible hours um, to basically give them a place where, where they could, you know, feel safe and kind of wind down um, a little bit from... Um, what they were going through and experiencing in terms of, um, you know, when our numbers were really, really devastatingly high hmm. in, in this county. Has COVID-19 forced mental health professionals to rewrite the playbook? Is there is there any going back when, you know, we, we, we turn the corner on this? Definitely. Some programs, because they were deemed essential, did stay open, but in a different capacity. Um, and they did increase incorporate more uh, virtual groups and individual sessions within their program. Um, and there are still some programs and some clinics that are still providing most of their services virtually. Um, and because of the high number of individuals who may never had services or received um, mental health type services in the past, but are, are doing that now, I believe that this is something that uh, programs and clinics will continue to uh, provide more so uh, going forward. How have you been able to handle all this? Um, I've had my better days at times. Um, but one of the things that we always stress is in regards to making sure that, you know, we are still looking at our overall wellness and recovery. I have um, groups that I'm involved in as well outside of work that I participate in. Um and as well as making sure that I get out and I go, you know, hiking or walking mm. to kind of clear my mind um, and just reconnecting with, you know, family and friends as much as I can, given social distancing. And, you know, I, I mean, I think at one point I was tired of Zoom and WebEx <laughs> and, you know, Skype and every other platform you could think of. But in a way, it still gives us the opportunity to connect with people who we can't really travel to see right now or family members. Um, but uh, just keeping that that in mind and, and you know, um, just just reaching out to, to other people who I know might be uh, a little bit more isolated than even, you know, myself. I mean, I have a grown son and he's he's out in Texas, so I'm always checking on him because, you know, um, not everybody's adhering to some of the guidelines that, you know, have been put in place that we now know a little bit more about that can help people and prevent them from possibly, you know, being infected with COVID. I mentioned before, there are times when, you know, I have my own battles with, I battle the ice cream, you know, pineapple <laughs> coconut has become my favorite during this time, you know? Right. I think we, we all look for the comforts that we can, yes, you know, exactly. we can seek out in these times. And, and as you, I guess, kind of explain your own situation, Michelle, in terms of what keeps you grounded, I, I guess this is advice that we should all 
listen to in terms of how we can stay grounded during these tumultuous times? There's ways to incorporate even meditation in your day as well. There's wonderful apps and, you know, just things that you can access through YouTube um, as well, as far as just looking to kind of um, stay grounded during this time and to stay encouraged, really. Michelle Hart, class of 89, program administrator with the Westchester County Department of Community Mental Health and an essential worker in the battle against COVID-19. Michelle, thank you for being there for those who face their battles related to this coronavirus. Uh, Thank you for joining us and, and be well. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Production assistance for You Heart to Hartford is provided by University of Hartford undergraduate students Drew Simino and Josh Fromowitz. I'm Abe Hefter.